It's just plain wrong that getting a good night's sleep is so hard. You know, sleep doesn't have to be this hard. There is a faster way to get better sleep. Sleep Takeout gives you real practical sleep solutions and your questions answered. I'm Dr. Bond, and I'm a licensed psychologist. And I'm Dr. Satuni, and I'm a board-certified sleep and pulmonary physician. And we're here to talk to you about sleep advice without a pill. This Sleep Takeout podcast is for information and entertainment purposes. This podcast is not intended as professional or legal advice. Podcasts are not treatment. Sleep disorders and mental health conditions need to be individualized with the healthcare provider. Sleep Takeout is not a replacement for professional advice or recommendations. So help your friends sleep better. Share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hey, Michelle. Good. Good to see you. Always happy to be back. Yeah, it's really it's really good to record. I look forward to our, our sessions. I do, too. It's been a little while, so I'm excited. It has. So, um, yeah, um, I want to tell you a kind of a funny story that happened to me yesterday. Uh-oh. So, uh, you know, I'm, obviously, the, we work pretty hard during the week. And, um, you know, so Friday night, I did some stuff with friends in the evening. I came back, and Saturday morning, I had... Like, boom, 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 a lot of things mm-hmm. I was going to be doing that day. And I go to um, start the car. Actually, my daughter's learning to drive. So she oh. she was in the driver's seat trying to start the car, and it wouldn't start. Uh-huh. Uh, Is this an automatic transmission? Automatic Maybe. transmission, okay. yeah. So, so it would not start at all. And then so I said, okay, well, you're just, like, maybe not turning the key right. So then I try it and it doesn't start. Uh oh. <laughs> and we have to be someplace in about ten minutes. So mm. I yell to my husband, who happens to be on the roof with a roofer at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yell up, you know, and I we're taking your car. Okay. And we'll deal with it when I come back. So, but while she gets into the car, because she's still going to be allowed to drive uh-huh. to this, it's Saturday morning, so it's the best time to drive with a teenager. Sure. Yep. Um, and you're learning. I, yeah. I hurry up and I get into my car so that I can like try it myself. So I can say, okay, it is or it isn't her uh-huh. that's doing it. And again, it still doesn't start. So I'm pretty sure it could be the battery. I'm not really freaking out uh-huh. too much. It was serviced recently. So go and do our thing. And you know, four, three or four hours later, um, I told my husband uh, that I called the AAA people. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, now AAA, you do everything like booking the appointment on right. the phone and then it it sends you a little text message. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is my story about being phoneless for a day is, um, I had to leave him my phone oh. because he, I mean, and again, I was with the kids, so he, they had, they had some way to contact me, Sure, but I didn't have my phone. Mm. So I, I didn't even think to ask for it back until this morning. Oh, wow. And Girl, was, I would have been like five minutes and my phone back. It was such a freeing feeling. So even though I would normally not look at my phone that much because my watch would go off whenever uh-huh. I got messages. So I didn't get your messages. I didn't get <laughs> anybody's message about anything until this morning. And so I was playing a little bit of catch up. But it nice. was really freeing, you know, where you're like, hey, nobody's trying to reach me. Nobody's mm-hmm. trying to get a hold of me. Yep. And when they were, I, ch- I was sitting next to whoever they were, you know, actually calling. Sure. And uh, it just felt good yeah, until I love today. That. So then I had to kind of wake up to reality. But I, th- mm-hmm. I think that we do realize that we're so connected to everybody and yeah. we're so connected to everything that it becomes, you know, almost a problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's this is why we've talked about why camping is so lovely, usually because you're forced to disconnect. But then also, too, because kind of cell phone service can be really spotty sometimes. 
And it is nice just to be like, whoa, I don't have to like check for email. I don't have to check the news. I don't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I and that just... stressor of the next like buzz or the next mm-hmm. little ring that goes into it. Absolutely. Well, you know, you, there's there's legit phantom buzzing and phantom like rings. Like people like report that they think that their pocket vibrated when and really didn't. Or you think you hear something that sounded like a an alert tone or a, or a, you know a phone call sound when you really didn't. Like our brains are like hyper like sensitive to this stuff. Yeah. Well, that gets me to what I brought in to go over today. Oh, what is it? What's so, our review item today? Because it is actually quite effective, I am not recommending that you take it now. <laughs> um, so, you know, we reviewed a product that I really liked, um, which was this ashwagandha that was just really mm-hmm. for stress. Oh, I liked that. That was like a chalky, a like starburst. Chewy, yeah. Yeah. Um, this this one is specifically for sleep. It does have some melatonin in it. Um, mm. And it is an extended release version of melatonin. but it needed to replace for my recommendations for patients um, a product that I really liked that they no longer make, which is called Remfresh, okay. which was just melatonin, extended release, mm-hmm. re- pretty low dose. Now, what does that mean, extended release melatonin? Extended release means how the tablet tablet's formulated. Okay. It releases quickly, and then there's a little uh, break, you know, mm-hmm. where you actually don't absorb the medicine, and then mm-hmm. it re- has a second release three or four hours later. Okay. So extended release medicines in general will last longer mm-hmm. because they uh, go through the stomach as that kind of that first pass mm-hmm. and then they get absorbed a little bit later and then they mm-hmm. have kind of a second okay. go around with things. So um, they have a tablet version of this QNOL sleep. It's Q-U-N-O-L and mm-hmm. we'll put a link to it in the notes. Um, and then they also have a tablet version. Now, the the gummy version, which I got for you to try because, you mm. know, that's just my thing. Sure. It has three things in it. And then the tablet version of it has five things. Oh, wow. What I that do sounds like, like a about multivitamin. It, yeah. I mean, it is. I call it the sleep multivitamin. And, mm. and you're funny that you say that because that's what I tell people mm-hmm. when I say this is now your sleep vitamin. So you don't take okay. it as a sleep pill. You right. take it as a sleep vitamin. Um, but what it addresses with everything except the melatonin, and maybe with melatonin because there's a f- component of tryptophan, which also mm. helps with uh, serotonin release. <clears throat> what it does is it really helps uh, kind of like that wind down process. Okay. And so that if there is any sort of anxiety or stress component, it actually helps you sleep a little bit. Well, right, because historically you need to dose melatonin a, a good amount of time before you're actually wanting to feel tired. Yeah, melatonin right. is kind of our dark our dark right. hormone, so it starts releasing mm-hmm. when um, mm-hmm. when we have it. But most people tend to take it like right before bed. They think that the melatonin. Well, that's what the bottle says. That's what the bottle says. <laughs> so they're following directions, and a lot of what I do is educating people on mm-hmm. what they're taking and why they're taking it, right? And how it actually works in your body. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with sometimes acid reflux medicines mm-hmm. is you don't think about taking it until after you have acid reflux. Right. Well, those the fancy newer acid reflux medicines like the Prilosex and the Prevacids, they actually don't work when you take them after the reflux and the oh, acid has already okay. has already started. Now, the more that you stay up with it, it probably has some effect, but it actually works much, much better if you take it 30 minutes or an hour before you would put anything in your stomach to release acid. Okay. So, All right. But what I liked about the product mm-hmm. is it's really pretty clean. It doesn't have gelatin in it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have like a lot of additives um, in terms of the gummy vitamin. 
And even the pill version, they didn't load up with a lot of high doses of things. Mm-hmm. The gummy version and the pill version, you can take up to two a night. So there is some wiggle room there. I find that generally I don't need anything to help me sleep. Mm -hmm. And I've probably taken some ashwagandha in my other forms in the day. Mm -hmm. So I do take a little bit less. But there's nothing in here that if even if you ate six of them, it would be toxic for you. So I think that there's a good safety profile with that. Sure. So I, I really highly recommend um, the, this brand of Qnol. Mm-hmm. They make a good CoQ10. They make a turmeric. Um, they make a... Um, These are all us all good supplements Anti-inflammatory yeah. type of profile. So I think adding sleep to theirs was a really good thing. So mm-hmm. I, would, I, I would recommend this, and I have been. All right. Sounds so good. Well, Qnol maybe can... I'll make sure can... you go home with some of it and see. Yeah, maybe Qnol can sponsor an episode. <laughs> Um, I, what I love about melatonin is people do tend to sleep a little deeper and have more dream recollection Mm -hmm. and dream recollection is a kind of a funny thing because you try and figure out where did that dream come from. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I've maybe gone down to like jotting down the, uh, the dreams that I had before. Oh, wow. So it's, it's interesting. Although, you know, last night I remember dreaming a lot about podcasts and how like we were, we were on our circuit all over the world talking about our podcast. Oh, wow. That must be like in the future. but. Maybe you've like you've cracked the multiverse and that was a parallel dimension. Could be. Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited right, to so hear I what like you it. say about it. So Qnol sleep gummies. Qnol sleep gummies is what you're gonna try. And then if it's something okay. that you want to, you know, continue with or you like tablets mm-hmm. better, um, then Qnol sleep tablets. Mm-hmm. I find gummies are easier to take consistently. To me, they remind me of like something you would eat anyway, right. like a reward thing. Right. And in terms of vitamins, I think it's kind of nice to not treat it as as your punishment, like right. antibiotics, but uh, more of of like a positive thing, like mm-hmm. your ending right. to your meal. It's a it's a pleasurable experience, not like a. We've all had the <clears throat> where you take the multivitamin and then you have like the vitaburp afterwards, and you're like, whoa, there was a lot of minerals in that one. Right. Absolutely. So. And you're like, mm, not so pleasant. All right. So today on the podcast, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about stress anticipation going into mm-hmm. sleep. And mm-hmm. and I really want to know from you, mm-hmm. h- how do you address this? What is, is that the right word? Um, but what I'm kind of trying to describe is somebody who starts thinking about their sleep mm-hmm. in the middle of the day because they are worried about not sleeping well the next night. Mm-hmm. So what what this kind of the phrasing of this word is actually called cognitive like hyper arousal, um, which shows up for people usually. It could show up for people right before bedtime, but it can also like extend well before then too. And so there's a couple different strategies for you know hyper arousal, and we've talked about those in the earlier episodes, and we've talked about worry. But you know one of the things that's really I think important. There's really kind of two different approaches. One of them is a little bit more kind of cognitive or brain kind of heavy, which is to dive into, you know, what is the actual like worry itself? Like what is maybe the fear behind the worry? Like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get good rest tonight or I have a really big presentation tomorrow or I need to be alert for you name it. Da, 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 da. And if you can dive into what the real fear is, then you can kind of work on addressing what that fear is and maybe kind of dismantling it. The real challenge about how a lot of fears work is that that's usually there's some kind of grain of truth to it. It's not usually entirely accurate, but there's some piece of it that feels a little accurate. And so sometimes that means to really 
challenge, you know, that, that worry or what we call might even be like an underlying assumption. If I worry before bedtime or if I worry, you know, starting at 5 p.m., that means my sleep is going to be horrible tonight. The only way to really start challenging that is to really kind of create several different experiments where you try it out, you try stuff out. So that's kind of the more brain kind of cognitive heavy. And for some people, that approach works fairly well. The idea of let me dig into, you know, what's my core fear here? What am I really afraid of is going to happen? If that were to happen, you know, how would I respond to it? How would I like, you know, anticipate reacting to it? What might I do differently? Those types of things. So that's if that approach kind of works well for you. The other approach is a little bit more of a kind of a mindfulness, kind of an acceptance kind of approach which is really just to begin building the skill. And it is a skill. I think a lot of times I see this with mindfulness of where people are like, oh, like I do some mindfulness and, and I really think that I'm like helping myself to relax. But that's actually not what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is the skill of recognizing, number one, what you're thinking. Like what is what's what was that thought that came into your mind? And then number two, bringing yourself back to whatever you want your focus to be on when you know that you've kind of gotten carried away in something. So to do that kind of leaves on a stream exercise, which I think we've done on the podcast before, but if not, we should do it again. Um, But to do that kind of leaves on a stream exercise, what you're really learning to do is number one, recognize that your brain constantly loves to go back to things that feel familiar and even worries are familiar patterns, especially for those of us that have had sleep difficulties. Um, You know, there's a real solid reason, and part of this comes down to conditioning, there's a solid reason why you're anticipating bad sleep. And that's because you know what the consequences of that bad sleep is, like you've experienced it. And because it's aversive, your brain, in a in a helpful or, or in an attempt to be helpful, your brain is trying to say, oh my gosh, like Michelle, you got to get ready for this. This is going to happen tonight. Versus actually kind of recognizing that sometimes if we can just take that worry and just simply observe it, just like you would like a cloud passing by in the sky or a wave on the ocean going by you, or if you wanted to use a leaf on the stream kind of going by you that way, then you can learn to just get really good at just observing the thought and not getting caught up, wrapped up in it. Now, you know, you're bringing up some good points because a lot of people don't see that it's actually something that is unique to their uh, their life like they would they don't classify themselves as anxious people mm-hmm. but they say their only issue is this sleep problem mm-hmm. and um you know on my side i i said well how could that be that that's the, your only issue uh and they claim that it is and mm-hmm. so it's it's you know a bad weather or something political going on mm-hmm. and they're like oh it's going to affect my sleep so mm-hmm. so they're actually just naming it in the in the wrong way rather right. than actually identifying what they're what their real concern or their underlying issue is. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's it's one of those things, and actually, absolutely, I remember the word. One of the uh, one of our podcast viewers let me know that, we, that I say that word a lot. Maybe we can use Descript to kind of remove that word at some point. Um, but, you know, this is a really important idea of, you know, a lot of times people that have insomnia, they may not have a diagnosable, like, second, you know, secondary kind of condition. Although most people with sleep problems tend to have anxiety problems, too. Um, but let's say you don't have a diagnosable kind of like anxiety problem. Really, what this is, it's just conditioning. And the conditioning is that you are worried about how something's going to impact your sleep. And it's not worried to the level of, you know, a diagnosis, but it is just general, what I call just energy. 
Um, and I would say this shows up a lot for my clients that are self-employed or entrepreneurial or just kind of really their brain is just always on and thinking about things. It's not that you're worried before you go to bed. It's just that you can't turn your mind off. And that energy is what you're learning to redirect. And that's where that's where that leaves on a stream and, and other mindfulness activities that can be helpful because you're learning to put a little bit of space between the thought that you're having and who you are so that you can be better just observing those thoughts and observing them as they come and go. And you're also getting really good at recognizing when you get caught up in the story. And the story is, oh my God, it's five o'clock at night. And if I don't get some good sleep tonight, I'm going to have a horrible rest. When the honest reality is, well, we don't know what that rest is going to look like for you tonight. But we also know if you can just do the good things, it takes time, but that you'll get better sleep in the long run. Um, I would say I've also been spending a lot of time lately talking about how your experience of rest is more of a lagging indicator of the quality of, of your sleep. And what I mean by that is that for a lot of people, you know, they get up the next morning and they're like, oh my God, I slept great or I slept horrible. And, the, and you're taking that as a direct indication of how your immediate past night's rest was. When uh, to some extent it can be indicative of what that sleep was like, but generally speaking, your perception of your sleep is an average of what your sleep has really been over the past few days. So that's a more important, I think, way to approach that from from your perception kind of perspective. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Sorry, I said absolutely again. <laughs> um, okay. So um, we talked on, I was looking it up on episode 56 about this process S and it's like yeah. how we earn our sleep. And so I think a lot of that broken record that I'm hearing mm -hmm. you, you talk about and the worry that the broken record is still in your arsenal of, of mm -hmm. your life, mm -hmm. you need to really work on um, recognizing that you are in control of your day and that when your like brain is allowed to compartmentalize mm -hmm. what's happening, then you will naturally fall asleep. Absolutely. So you need to give your brain kind of permission. And the more that you hype up or that you are worked up over that that night or that evening routine or like you're saying is like catastrophizing, overgeneralizing a, mm -hmm. you know, terrible nights or a terrible period of nights sleep mm -hmm. in the past, then you become fixated on it. And mm -hmm. that fixation tends to perpetuate Absolutely. You know what you're saying. So mm -hmm. um, oh, one of the. One of the important things with mindfulness, and I think that you've you've talked about it a couple times, is realizing is that you don't get to say, I've done mindfulness, it doesn't work, or it does work. Mindfulness is something that you need to recognize happens to us, whether or not we want to call it that or not, all the time. Mm -hmm. And that the more that you recognize when your brain gets derailed or when your thoughts go somewhere else, either, mm -hmm. either in the future or in the past, you recognize and then you kind of come back to baseline. Yeah. Um, because that that s symptom of the excitement or the frustration that revs up your body's hormone levels yep. in terms of your cortisol and your adrenaline. And it stays there. Mm -hmm. And um, some interesting books, we have a lot of books that we've been uh, reading, you mm -hmm. know, on the side, we went from a podcast world to like some audio books and some classes. Mm -hmm. And now we're back to the nitty gritty of some regular books. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things is is you actually get very depleted on your uh, electrolytes and your minerals, and then you can even get dehydrated oh, wow. um, from, you know, just that adrenaline, it changes where your blood vessels are on your skin. And you become 
almost a product of the the chemical imbalance in your body. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel good to do that. So remember that your brain is still that master organ Mm -hmm. that can reorganize some of this stuff. And as we head into, you know, the really fast, busy season of short days and way Mm -hmm. too much to do, anticipating um, sleep can become more of an issue. So we want to try and get you through this. And in a little bit, we're going to be, you know, changing the time zones where we lose that hour. And we are. this yep. can be another problematic. Actually, probably by the time this episode comes out, it will have just happened. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, the time change will have just shifted. Well, and this brings to mind, you know, one of the questionnaires that I do um, with my, my clients that have specific kind of insomnia related challenges is it's a beliefs about sleep kind of questionnaire. And you just really kind of read each item and you rate how much you agree or disagree with it. And what I find fascinating about this questionnaire is it's usually pretty accurate at identifying for people that have insomnia. I mean, you can clearly have multiple different sleep-related challenges, but for insomnia in particular, it really highlights where that that cognitive component is for a lot of people, that that worry about, gosh, if I don't get my eight hours of sleep or um, a, a common question that I feel people score high on is when I do not get a proper amount of sleep on a given night, I need to catch up on the next day by napping or the next night by sleeping longer or after a poor night's sleep, it will interfere with my activities the next day or um, when I sleep poorly on one night, I know that I will disturb my sleep schedule for the whole week. Um, I can't even or I can't ever predict whether I will have a good night's or a poor night's rest. All these kind of items and there's 16 total kind of questions but it's usually a pretty strong indicator of where people's worry is at as it relates to to sleep from that perspective. I think it's important exactly what you were you were you're talking about is to have people have very realistic expectations of what their mm-hmm. body needs. And I'll I'll tell you that people have in this in this in their heads that 8 hours is what everybody needs mm-hmm. and that's really not the case. Right. Most people in that bell curve of where people function the best is between six and eight hours. Mm-hmm. And 10 hours is obviously extremely unrealistic, mm-hmm. um, but could happen, you sure. know, after an and illness usually, or something like that. Yeah. When people are consistently getting under six hours uh, and definitely under four, they're they're not that functional. Mm-hmm. And so when someone comes in and says, I'm always tired and they're getting less than six hours of sleep. That's exactly where they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but tired is not sleepy. And we recorded an Correct. episode about that, too. We sure did. You know, I think it, it highlights, too, that I, and I've seen an uptick in this recently. I don't know if it's because there was a new Apple Watch that came out or whatever. But I've seen an uptick in more wearables and people saying, oh, my watch told me my REM was like this or my ring told me that. And, and you know, I'm all for self-monitoring. I think there's some great value to it. However... Like, I really wish that the disclosure on the sleep data was more transparent so that people really recognize these are approximations. They're using algorithms to, like, get at what they think is actually happening in your sleep. Because unless they can look at your brainwave pattern, like, your watch doesn't know what kind of sleep you're in. Like, neither does your ring. It might know things about you, but your actual sleep itself is, is, anyway. That's my like soapbox. Yeah, you need to be your own control in some of these things and really take a step back. Like we talked about talking about the phone at the beginning Mm -hmm. is I felt so free, the fact that I wasn't distracted. Mm -hmm. And when I have my phone, I 
it's not that anything new is going on, but you don't feel as free because you feel very mm -hmm. much distracted on a regular basis mm -hmm. and less focused. Absolutely. We could do a whole episode on the phone and technically, so I love, I'm, I'm going to use this word even though it's technically doesn't apply for the phone use, but addictive behavior, impulsive behavior, and compulsive behavior. Because all of those show up like crazy, uh, I would say, in terms of how people talk about them. Technically, if there's not a substance that can cause dependence, then it's not really addiction per se. But I think a lot of people don't understand the nuanced difference between impulsive and compulsive. But this happens a lot because these devices work just like, uh, just like you know, video games do. They work just like a lot of other kind of really strongly reinforcing behaviors. And uh, and sleep is another one. I think people have a lot of uh, compulsive behaviors around sleep such as taking supplements sometimes when they are just trying to fall asleep. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're human. We do sleep. And yeah. it's important to kind of recognize that a lot of things that maybe you do in your life with all good intentions in a lot of situations mm -hmm. really start backfiring. So get that back mm -hmm. down to the basics. Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's about our lifestyles. And again, we're going to talk mm -hmm. a lot about that because I think it's yeah. something that Really, we're hoping that you're listening to our podcast while you're doing something fun like taking a walk or at the yeah, gym. We absolutely. hope you're not or planning listening out your to meals it in the middle of the night, you know, right. when you because you can't sleep. <laughs> but um, but it it is going to be really important that sleep becomes one of those benchmarks for you that is a positive, good mm -hmm. thing that you just need your reminders from us or from other people right. that um, you can do this and you're going to be good at it. Absolutely, we need to write a book, Michelle, how not to die, how to live longer with sleep. Now live let's, younger. Let's reach out to uh yeah. to some people that are in that field. I feel like we could combine all those words and just like add sleep to all let's of it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, yeah. until next time, we're going to uh, leave you with some really positive intentions that if your brain is is hyper focused on um, sleep and it's not bedtime mm -hmm. and you're not ready to go to sleep. Catch yourself, recognize it, and then really work backwards on what do you want to accomplish mm -hmm. with the rest of your day. Right. And if the rest of your day is done, maybe um, have a practice of documenting the things mm -hmm. that you are really happy that you did that day and things that are on your agenda for not today, but another day or another time. Absolutely. And we did another podcast episode about this of uh, things to do in the middle of the night when you are um, Episode tired. 58 for your yes. reference. So- you can use those same activities if you are not sleepy yet at the end of your day. You know, the, it's not like those, I mean, those are not magical activities. They're really kind of, for lack of a better word, activities meant to kind of be kind of boring. But you can definitely do them in the middle of the night or before you go to bed too. So, all right. Until next time. All right, Michelle. It's good talking to you. I'm excited. Yay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sleep Takeout. We hope that you found our discussion on sleep valuable. Help your friends to sleep better. You can share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Remember, Sleep Nation, sleep well. Dream big. And wake up refreshed. Bye. Bye.